Welcome to the Hashtag Call to Scene podcast, the show focused on the strategic disruption of the status quo in technical organizations, communities, and events. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Hashtag Call to Scene podcast. And I am so happy to have this chick out here. Man, she, I met her last year at um, AlterConf Chicago. And we've clicked ever since. She was one of the premier speakers for Chicago, um, hashtag call the scene conf Chicago. And I knew she wouldn't fail and she has not. So again, I wanted to bring her in on the show because she has a unique perspective. So welcome today's guest, Tanya DePass. Hi, Tanya. Hey, um, that's an awesome intro. I was a premier speaker. I didn't even know. <laughs> So tell us about yourself. Um, so I'm often quote unquote angry on the internet. And what that means is I'm just tired of everyone's shit. Um, but I, I run a nonprofit called Lightning Diverse Games. And that got started out of a hashtag because I was mad about video games because, you know, there's not a lot of people like us in games. And I was just mad at six in the morning. And between thinking <laughs> about it, no, it literally was like before work, I saw something about... <laughs> Um, it's too hard to animate women and, and, you know, E3 had happened and there'd been all the games they talked about E3 were coming out. It's like scruffy white dude after scruffy white dude after scruffy white dude. And I was just like, I'm tired of y'all. I'm so tired. And so a friend of mine, Mickey Kendall retweeted me. She's got a much bigger Twitter presence. And then other folks were retweeting it and it, you know, it even trended for a little bit. And from that has come a community, has come a nonprofit, Twitch streaming, podcasting. Um, so that's the main thing that I do. Um, the other things that I do is I broadcast on Twitch as a partner streamer. I am on a um, podcast called Spawn on Me, which we do every Thursday on Twitch. I write occasionally about video games because I'm also never home often. Um, just had a book come out that I edited called Game Devs and Others, Tales from the Margins, about people in the industry and their stories. And I talk on the internet quite a bit and I often like retweet you and, and Sonia because <laughs> you're in my brain if I haven't said it I look and I'm like oh yeah Kim, Kim's right there <laughs> it's so funny because people think Sonia and I actually have um met um and, yeah and we will not and this podcast will have aired the first by the time we first meet we're meeting actually this coming Wednesday Nice. At, yeah, at um, DevOps um, Days, Minnesota. So that's going to be our oh. first time ever meeting each other. And it's so funny because people all, are always using our names together. Um, <laughs> and so people are like, I can't believe you guys have not personally met. And I'm like, no. But, you know, it's coming. It's, and I, I feel sorry for whoever's in the room at that moment. Oh, I hope people can record that because it'll be amazing. <laughs> it's going to be going home. So, um I always start with two questions. The first one is why is it why is it important to cause a scene? And the second question is how are you causing a scene? Um, so the first question, why is it important to cause a scene? Because if we don't, who will? A lot of people, you know, will throw their hands up and go, "Well, it doesn't affect me. I don't care," or they benefit from the status quo and they don't care. So they just. And, you know, and this is, it's hard because no matter how you phrase it, it's going to sound like I'm blaming people for doing what they got to do to survive. But there's the people that know that they can't say anything because they'll lose their job and they're not positioned to lose their job versus the people that have power and still ignore everything. Mm -hmm. yeah, Those yeah. are the people, you know, they've got power, they've got influence. They could, they could say and do things and they don't. They choose to be complacent. Yes. And that's when folks like us and other folks that, you know, either we work for ourselves, we're in a position where it's like, I can say what I'm going to say because what are you going to do? Take my own nonprofit from me? <laughs> like, are you going to get me off Twitter? Which if somebody gets me off Twitter, you know what? That's just something I can use to my benefit if I actually ever got ran off Twitter. Um, but it's important for us because we need to speak up for the folks that can't. The people yes. that, you know, have no voice and it's not because they don't want to because a lot of people are fed up but a lot of people also got bills to pay they got kids to take care of they got a mortgage yeah 
And, you know, you and I and other folks, we're lucky in that we either have the strength to speak up, the ability to speak up without a lot of personal loss. And, you know, and it's not without risk. Some people get to say, you know, they don't want to hire us, whatever, or work with us. But if everything I've done has been built around raising the stakes and raising visibility for people, how can I sit on the sidelines? Yeah. How can I, not, how can I see the stuff that goes on daily on social media, in person, offline, the, the out of left field stuff that's said to me, like to you, to black women on the internet, and just be complacent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know for a fact, and you do too, and other folks listening, that no matter what you do, I could be mild, I could be gentle, I could use white voice, as, <laughs> as people say, I could be dressed to the nines in a suit, and I'd still get called angry. I'd still yeah. get called, mm-hmm. you know, why, why are you like this? Why won't you help me? Everybody wants their, their ally cookies. Yeah. But, you know, they, they want to be the, oh, I'm not that white person. And it's like, but you are that white person. When you sit there and you say nothing, when you see people harassed and bullied and forced offline or, or shouted down when their work could benefit, and not just others, it's like diversity and inclusion work isn't just for people of color and marginalized folks. It overall benefits everyone. I mean, exactly. there's things to back this up. Yeah. So if I can't use my voice, which I'm very privileged to do, then why am I out here doing this work? Um, and that's why I think it's important for me and for other folks who can do it, but especially people that hold money, especially for people who hold power and can, can affect the change that I can't because as loud as I am, known as I am in certain circles, I don't have the money to say, here, go to Code Camp or go to this conference, you know? Yeah, so there's yeah. still a limit to what I can do, but, but I feel it's a moral and ethical and humanitarian obligation to do this. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds all lofty and high, highfalutin and bullshit, but if I didn't believe what I was doing, didn't believe it made a difference, I would quit. Yeah, I don't know why people think this is easy work, that people are volunteering to get cussed out online and, and called racist and, and all these other things just because, and it's so funny because it, I, all we're doing is raising or highlighting perspectives that are not privileged. And yep. just that causes so much angst in people. Um, it is just truly interesting, truly interesting. Well, it's interesting, but it's also, you know, we, we were talking about the White Woman's Tears article. Oh, yes. Um, you know, and, and that's why, you know, that kind of transitions to why I particularly call the scene because I've, I've worked in corporate, I've worked in higher ed, and oh my God, I would rather cut off my arm than work in higher ed again because of things like white women's tears, the people that cried and hollered and, and acted like they were so put upon because I didn't put up with their shit. And I do it because I love gaming. I love what it can be. It's a young medium, you know, compared to like film and music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's so much potential to grow. There's so much potential to, to truly get behind gaming for everyone because that's a phrase a lot of people use. But when is it truly for everyone? You know, when, when we have a game announced that has a woman on the cover and people that have played this game without batting an eye, where you can be on a horse with a flamethrower, you can have an F20 in a game on a roof, but now women are a bridge too far. And they want to start historical accuracy. Um, because there's so many people that I meet that have been discouraged, that have left the industry and that are scared to even get in the industry. Uh, women I know, particularly women of color, queer women of color, who want to start streaming. They want to do stuff in tech, but they're scared because of what they see online. Mm-hmm. They're scared because they, they see all the stuff that other folks talk about, about, you know, somebody came in my chat and said, blah, blah, blah. They called me a nigger. They use like a monkey emote and watermelon and stuff like that. And uh, that's why I do it. And it's not, because I, I ain't never going to get rich off this. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if I pay my bills and got a little bit left, I'm doing okay. Mm-hmm. But again, it, for me, it's a moral obligation and it's, I don't want other people to grow up with never seeing characters like themselves. I don't want people to feel like I can't go in a game store and buy a game because I'm going to get quizzed on who is this for? What game? And if you say it's for you, then they go, Oh, well, did you play all the games? You're not really a fan. All that other stupid gatekeeping bullshit that we deal with. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. 
Wow. I mean, you would think if someone comes into your store to purchase, you would just let them purchase. You would think, but I mean, I've gone in stores and, you know, and for various and such reasons, when it comes to buying games, I don't buy them off Amazon anymore because I keep losing my order. Um, but I've gone in game stores where I'll buy something and I'll get into these conversations and you can see that kind of, oh, she really plays these games, kind of light bulb go over their head versus they think, oh, I must be buying it for like my son or my mm-hmm. husband or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, this is mine. This yeah. is me. But then they want to pull the like the little subtle questions where they don't just don't outright accuse you of not really being a gamer or a fan. But it's those little questions where they figure they'll get you with some random trivia and then they go, aha, I knew this wasn't really for you. Oh, and it's like when being at a tech conference and you're speaking and um, you're talking about A and then they want to bring up a question that's um, some, some, some outlier Z. There. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. what? Yeah. Or it's like some random trivia thing that only somebody with too much time on their hands to know this random ass piece of trivia would know. And uh, so, you know, things like that where it's like, you know, I, I've told the story before, but uh, one of the things, because there was a while when I thought about quitting, there was a while where I was just like, this is too stressful. I'm not sleeping. I'm not eating right. Nothing. And um, I was at a convention. I just done a panel and it wasn't about diversity. It was about something else. And two young ladies came up and they were like really grateful they saw someone like them on a panel that wasn't just about diversity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not a weepy person in general. Yes. But that just really hit me because it was just like, you know, for me, it's just like, oh, it's another panel I'm doing, whatever. Mm-hmm. And for them, that meant the world to see another black woman on a panel and not pigeonhole talking about diversity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was like later on I cried about it. It's like I didn't cry in front of them, but it was close. Yeah. yeah. Um, or when people will meet me or whatever. And it's like, again, I don't do it for that reason, but it reminds me, keeps me grounded of the impact of what I do. And I so um, get that because that's what I say. I, I, I don't speak for other people, but what I do is, um, I'm trying to think of the, the word I say because I don't speak for them. Mm-hmm. I, um, uh, I, I speak on behalf of all of us as a collective right. and I speak about my own personal experiences. Right. But when I spoke at We Rise conference and the key closing keynote I did, it was harsh. I, it, was, it was truly harsh because it talked about specifically white liberalism and why it's such a barrier mm-hmm. um, to pro- my progress personally. Mm-hmm. and to what we're trying to do um, in general. And it was that moment where Black women of all ages were coming to me, hugging me, and with tears that I knew I got the message right. That I knew that some of them, for the first time, had someone saying what they've been thinking Mm-hmm. So long. And that's where we started this conversation but when we were offline, um, how right. we're saying stuff and it's in your head. And, that, and it's all of us. I could be thinking something and Sonia has just put it up there. Or I could be thinking something and I see somebody else has put it up there. Yep. And it's just like this. And, and, and that leads into the White Women's Tears article that Ruby wrote. It's mm-hmm. like when I d- just interviewed her and she was saying she thought it was only in Australia. So, oh, no. so she was no. surprised when it picked up because she thought it was just her, you know, her little something mm-hmm. she was experiencing. Oh and, no. And it's and it's this thing of we are all having such similar experiences across the globe that you cannot tell me that this is not this is not institutionalized. You cannot say there is no way that you can tell me that this is not. It may not be an intentional strategy, but mm-hmm. it is definitely an, an, an imbued strategy. Which, oh, yes. Which much of privilege um, uses and as, as a weapon. Um, and when you hear someone speaking for the first time, what it becomes for me and what women have said to me and what I know I've experienced, it's like, fuck, it's not me. Oh my God, yeah. I was about to lose my mind because I could not understand this. I internalized this so much because I was trying to figure this out. This shit is not me. It's them. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and that's what's interesting because there's a lot of times when I'll say stuff and for me, I'm just like, 
I still do it. And I'm like, even though I've been in tech, I've done gaming stuff, I talk to other people all the time, I still have that, okay, I'm not crazy. Yeah. <laughs> this is not just a me thing. Even when I should know better and I've witnessed it myself, because um, I used to work in higher ed. And my second to last job in higher ed, I had to deal with white women's tears all the time. And a white dude and his feelings and his privilege, because he literally thought he was the white savior. And, oh. oh my God, he was so, and I don't give a fuck if he can figure out it's me if he ever hears this. Okay, go ahead. I don't either. Um, so he did his uh, doctor of anthropology in Zimbabwe on art. And he really had this white savior complex of like, he was saving these people and, and bringing us their culture and all this mm -hmm. other shit. And so all I was waiting for was the I'm helping you people moment. It never came out, but they got rid of him for other reasons. Um, but he had brought on this woman and it was very much a, she's this petite little white girl and she, she radiated what corporate America should be. And she came recommended, et cetera. And she had these moments where she would talk to me and it was, you ever read a business textbook and you think no one ever actually talks like this? Yeah. She was like a walking, talking business education textbook. Cause okay. she would ask me things and I would just look at her and I was like, are you a human? <laughs> And I, I didn't say it, but I would just give her that look like, can't, just ask me a question like a regular person. Mm -hmm. For all that we had this, oh, we're family in the office and all this other bullshit. And so one day she asked me a question. I was busy and I was just like, why, why don't you just go look it up? Or she asked me where something was and I'm like, I don't know. I'm busy. Come back later. And she went crying to our boss. Oh, yeah. And I'm just like. I told you I was busy. I can't walk in someone's office, expect them to drop what they're doing and tell me where something is. Maybe you should walk your ass around the office and look for it if it's that important. Uh -huh. But because I wouldn't stop, then I got the, oh, you're so mean. You should have helped her. I'm like, you gave me a deadline. Am I supposed to stop what I'm doing for the deadline you gave me to help her find a box that wasn't even important? Which is it? But you're going to call me in your office because yes. she came crying to you. Yes, yes. Or the, you know, you're so mean. You ain't got to be like that, like in emails. And I was like, you, the email I sent you was a business email. It's professional. If you didn't know it was coming from me, you probably wouldn't have said two words. Yeah. You know, no matter what you do, how polished you are, I could have letters after my name. Yes. And, you know, I'm still going to be that angry black chick yes. no matter what people do. And, you know, I've tried. I've tried to be that helpful black person on occasion to people burnt me out. And I'm done. Yeah. And, you know, I, just yesterday, I retweeted that picture of what's-his-face with those nasty things he's calling dreadlocks. Yes, 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 yes. Now, I, for the, since y'all can't see me, you're just hearing my voice. I've got locks. I've had locks for nine years. And that is always a point of contention when I find white people with what they think are dreadlocks. Stop talking to a colleague in the games industry because she was in her feelings about these nasty things she had got as a weave, mind you, that mm. were actually locks. They just looked disgusting. And someone replied, and I hadn't seen it until a follower replied to them because I, I basically turned off the, if I don't follow you, I won't see it mm -hmm. or turn that feature on. And they, were, they started asking for all this information and they, they, they were a good ally. And we're going to talk about allies and their cookies yes. mm -hmm. in a hot second. They were like, there's a thing called Google. I suggest you use it and maybe not ask people for emotional labor. Mm -hmm. And I was like, cool, because had I seen it first, I probably would just cuss them out and mm -hmm. been, been like, let me Google that for you, fucker. Mm -hmm. um, but it's those kind of things where Google is free. Friends listening to this podcast, Google is free. Use that first before you ask people to do emotional labor and do that work. And for those that are listening that don't know what emotional labor is, because can't assume your audience, um, it's when you ask someone from marginalized background to basically do the one-on-one kind of work. Of, I don't understand this term. I don't stand, understand what you mean by like identity or orientation. And instead of just going to Google or reading a book, I'm going to ask you to do the work for me. Um, and that's what this person did in regard to lots. And then they were like, nah, bro, go, go find some Google. <laughs> yeah. Which, well, it's interesting because um, that's how my, so I don't have a lot of followers and people mm -hmm. know I, I'm not looking for a bunch of followers and I'm not collecting allies. Right. I have a very specific definition of what I want people to do um, when I consider them. First of all, that's that, and let's get that definition out. 
You cannot self-identify as an ally. You're only an ally if the groups that you're working with have, you've demonstrated an ability to help them in whatever way they've defined, and then they call you an ally. Um, and so that is not, oh, I did this, but then we say, well, that wasn't helpful to me, so no. And you don't get to say that. And I don't understand why people think having this term means so much to them. It goes back to that white liberalism thing. It's like, dudes, that means absolutely nothing to me. So I've educated my followers that I have that this is not my work to do. And so if you see individuals on my time, and this is why I don't block people. Really? Oh, no, I don't block anybody. They can, because privilege has been sheltered for way too damn long. You need to see, because you never believe us, you need to see the things that we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. And because I don't take this personally, because you're just some random, usually somebody with no profile picture or whatever on, 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 um, internet, it could be a bot. So I don't even, I don't even get invested in it that way. And a lot of people think they think, Oh, I've triggered you. I'm like, dude, I've gaslighted you. Cause what you've done is giving me free marketing. Cause I always get more followers and, and jobs from people seeing what this really right. is because people really need to see what is going on. They've been sheltered for way too long. They've been protected from this stuff. So what my, the people who believe in hashtag cause a scene who are privileged know to do mm-hmm. is if you see someone um, who particularly somebody, it doesn't matter, but particularly somebody of privilege says some off the wall shit to me, it is your responsibility to tag that ass. Because if I see you go past and no one says anything, trust me, my next tweet is going to be, where the fuck are y'all? Y'all not doing enough. Why am I dealing with this shit? And, and people don't think about that. They, they don't think about when it's actually useful to step in. And it goes back to your complacency thing as well. Yep. yep. Um, because a lot of people are fine until it directly affects them. Either directly or they see a friend getting dogpiled. They see a colleague getting dogpiled. Because without, and I'm sure you've seen it, when I talk about stuff, I always get, that, do, that still happens. And yeah, I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. D- did you not just read this whole long, <laughs> angry thread where I said someone touched my hair, they did so and so, but your, your first response is, that still happens? Or this is one I, 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 that gets me even worse than that. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. What the fuck are you apologizing mm-hmm. for? What, what, this, I don't need your apology. I don't need your apology. What I need you to do is check your goddamn friends. That's what I need you to do. <laughs> right. And like, uh, that's why I don't have you on Facebook, but I said on Facebook and other places where um, one thing that irritates me is when people apologize for being white or being a dude or yep. a cis straight white dude. Okay. A, fuck your apology. Yep. Because at the end of the day, it does nothing but a say your guilt. That is a not all fill in the blank in another form of being a self-serving performative ally. Exactly, because it means it's like not like the average person is going to do anything to change that. So your apologizing for being whatever means absolutely nothing. It means nothing. And it's really infuriating because you're taking whatever the subject is, be it racism, sexism, both homophobia, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and turning it into, I'm not one of those white people. I'm not one of them. And it's like, yeah, this is not the time and place. Yeah. And it centers on them. And so I had a recent encounter where someone, and, and, and it, this is what gets me, and this is why white liberalism is the biggest barrier to this. The bigots, the racists, the whatever, we see them coming. As black people, we can identify them. They will open their mouth. They will do something at some point that will die. They won't be quiet, particularly not today. They won't be quiet today. Mm-hmm. But um, um, what... What happens is, um, so someone came to me and asked me, one, why don't you block people? Because um, I come from a political family and we've learned, and I know that um, 
you're just giving them a platform and blah, blah, blah. So the first thing was you insulted me because you assumed you know my strategy. And you assume that you know how to do this better than, than I do. Mm-hmm. Then when I answered that question, the next question, the next statement was, and she's a white woman, how do you see me? So oh. now, yes. Oh. Yeah. So now I'm out in public because I didn't want to have the conversation. I'm standing in front of people. You ask me this question. Oh, boy. So my, my, and I'm thrown off because what they don't understand is, like you just said, at times we get, it's like, wait a minute, did that just happen? You know, it's like, it's like, what the fuck did that just happen? And so I'm like, um, I don't, we have a relationship, but we don't have that kind of relationship. And I meet people where they are. So I have no opinion about you from that. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you, I waited about 30 minutes and then I had a conversation. It wasn't even a conversation. It was very one-sided where I addressed that and said that I was still processing what that meant for our relationship. Um, because it's that kind of thing that says what I'm doing, if it's uncomfortable for you, I need to stop it. It's not as important as all these black women who's, who, who are list- looking to me because they, as you said, don't have the privilege to do this. They mm-hmm. don't feel safe. But your discomfort is more important than all the discomfort we feel every single day. Yep. And, and that's where it comes down to is that it becomes a, a one-up of who's more uncomfortable. Oh, and, God. Oh, my God. And okay. it's, and, well, and because they, they, they make it into a Pressure Olympics and the they is of people that know who I'm talking about, that the hit dogs are going to holler when they hear this podcast. Oh, I love that the hit dog will holler. Yes. Because you know the people listening when they do that moment of, but, but, but I never did that. I'm not like that. I'm an ally. And look, if I've done this in public at conventions, in, at conferences where people start, well, I'm an ally. And I'm like, no, no, you're not. Because if you were an ally, you would not name yourself as such. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you don't get to name yourself an ally. And so this has been an interesting um, thing. And people think I'm being anti-Semitic when I say this. But I've had several people, white women particularly, bring up to me about um, they understand or why am I attacking them because they're Jewish and they've had, and then one actually gave a whole, and she better be glad that I did not copy her DM. I, I put some of it in a, um, in a, in a talk, but I was so tempted to screenshot that DM and put her on blast because she's a person who has thousands of followers who think that she's this, I don't even know what to call these people, but you have a tech following. This is not your area of expertise and you should not be speaking about things you don't know. But she broke down her whole family's Holocaust history as if to make me feel guilty about what I said. And my thing is, do not come to me trying to compare the Holocaust to slavery. They both sucked. Let's not compare pain here. Please stop doing that. We're not, we've never had the same experience because she said in her next sentence, when people find out I'm Jewish, they troll me. They have to find out you're Jewish. You present as white. I walk out the house, I'm black. I don't get to, they don't get to find out I'm black. Right, it's, you know, nobody's going to get either one of us to know we're anything but black. Well, I've had other black people claim I'm not black, but that's a separate podcast. <laughs> um, and, and I get it. And, and yes, being Jewish is marginalized. However, like you said, there is the, the idea of passing. And, you know, like my grandmother was real light. She had curly hair. She could totally pass for a white woman. Probably had to because she was born in 1912. Yes, I'm sure. I'm sure she had to pass to back safe. in the day. Exactly, yes. And, uh, you know, there, it, it comes down to my oppression is greater than yours. And I deal with this a lot in the queer community because I'll get white queers be like, but I'm gay or I'm lesbian. And I'm like, again, no one is IDing you on site as gay, lesbian, yes. bisexual, what have you. I'm like, I can pass, quote unquote, as straight, but not if I'm at a pride parade decked out in every fucking rainbow you can find mm-hmm. or, or buy a pride flag. Mm-hmm. 
but at the end of the day, I can also traverse those, those spaces more easily than I can never go out and say I'm not black or that I'm not a person of color, even if someone doesn't ID me as black. Everyone in the hashtag call the scene community shares the same common beliefs based on a set of four specific guiding principles. One, tech is not neutral, nor is it apolitical. Two, intention without strategy is chaos. Three, lack of inclusion is a risk and increasingly a crisis management issue. And lastly, but most importantly, four, we must prioritize the most vulnerable. To find out more about the guiding principles and adding them to your Twitter profile banner, please visit hashtag causeascene.com. But at the end of the day, I can also traverse those, those spaces more easily than I can never go out and say I'm not black or that I'm not a person of color, even if someone doesn't ID me as black. Yeah, yeah. So there's a difference between the world is going to ID and respond to me in a certain way every single time versus someone who can pass... And not maybe intentionally, maybe they're very proud of their heritage, but that doesn't change how the world sees you and respond. And, and again, what about me telling my story is so um, threatening to you? That's my thing. The Holocaust was the Holocaust. It was horrible. Slavery was slavery. It was horrible. What I'm talking about is today in my experience that then does not negate your experience, but why does me talking about my experience as a black woman in the South threaten you so much that you try to shut me up about my experience and your experience becomes the all important thing? Because people, and, and you know, this is going to sound terrible on my end, but what I find is that people want to play the one up and the, my pain is greater than your pain. Therefore I'm more pressed. Therefore, I'm more of an expert on this, but we also, and we also see it when, you know, we talk about anything, like I talk about hair a lot. I, I talk about it more. Um, that same former colleague and colleague in the sense of we're both in gaming, not that we ever actually work together. Um, without fail, when I talk about hair, my naturally grown out of my head locks, which has been a journey for me as a black woman and her synthetic nasty looking locks that are down to her ass that, I want to shave off every time I see her. Um, it always becomes that, well, I get, I get harassed for my hair. I'm like, you made a personal choice. Mm-hmm. People told you not to do this. Mm-hmm. People told you, many people, including me, as probably one of the few black people you actually asked, told you don't do this. And yet you want to be oppressed every time I talk about my hair as a black woman, where we got people rescinding job offers, passing legislation about what we can and cannot do with our hair. But you as a faux persecuted white chick in Australia, mind you, mm-hmm. wants to be in your feelings about it. Mm-hmm. It turns into a, uh, what's that tweet with the bird? It is not important if we're not talking about me. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's, that's what I pull up mentally when these conversations happen. And that's the thing. It's like privilege is so used to the conversation being centered around them that anybody who takes focus is a problem for them. And the issue, though, with that is in the past, privilege was the only was the only one that had access to platforms like Twitter and Zoom and all these other things. And now you I don't need your permission to tweet. I don't need your permission to create a podcast. I don't need your permission to create YouTube videos or Instagram. As long as I have whatever technology I need, I can do it. And it's that thing that gets in the way of white liberalism that they don't see. It's that blind spot that it's, it's the, I'm not that guy, as mm-hmm. you talked about. And what you're saying is divisive and separating us all. No, why does my personal experience has to be, why is it divisive? Why can't it just be an authentic experience that's different from yours? Because I can't, because I really can't. And I've, I've rarely encountered the people that can go actually stop and go, oh, wait, this isn't about me. Because we've all been taught to be self-centered. We've all been taught to, you know, focus on ourselves as an individual. And I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's a sweeping statement. A lot of us are, are me first. And it's not intentional. It's not that we're all selfish people. It's that we are taught to internalize and, and 
prioritize our own experience over everyone else. And what's interesting when we talk about the not all dot, 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 it's funny because when someone's talking about something and it does not relate to me, I don't need to say not all because it does not relate to me. So I keep passing. I just keep going. But for many people, it is something that they have to now insinuate themselves into a conversation that if it was not about you, then why are you speaking? Because some people just need to talk. You know, like when you tweet and, and there's innocuous ass tweet and people still feel the need to reply when there's no question in that tweet anywhere. Like I, I've keep the gif with the black lady. It's always like, you know, she's looking, she's like got her hands on her knees. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And it's like, where, where in this 240 characters was there a question? <laughs> yeah. Where? And then when you actually ask the question and you try to have a conversation, rarely, tumbleweeds. Mm-hmm. Or everybody wants to be cute and, and tell you some shit that you didn't ask for. And you're just like, this is not the place. This, this is not the spot to have these conversations. But for folks that can't go to conferences, for folks that don't participate online, don't have access to these conversations because not everybody has good internet. Not everybody can go to these conferences. You know, the internet is the only place to, to talk, but they don't always know when and where is the appropriate time to chime in. And that's why my, so when people ask me, particularly when I'm in, I'm doing consulting, my, the question is, so where do I, Kim, where do I start? And this is my formula. Find 10 people who are saying things that make you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Follow them, and for 60 days, don't say anything. Just watch what they're saying. Watch how people are responding to them. Just watch. The next 30 days, you can like. 30 days later, you can retweet. 30 days after that, you can comment with retweet. At that point, we're at six months. Now Mm. you've had, you don't know the depth of, I mean, because you don't have the experience, but you've seen enough. So now you can comment on things. It's like, for, these are new, privilege is so not used to considering other people, period, other cultures, unless it benefited them in some way, that it takes, it takes time to just sit, internalize, and not say anything. And that's what learning is. When I have students, uh, when I was in the classroom, we're going to talk about something. We're going to cover something. And I'm going to take the, I'm going to take the lead because you don't know this yet. I'm going to let me take the lead. All right. Write down your questions. Just don't ask them yet because I'm still going. And then just sit with it. Make sure that your questions, because if you're asking questions while I'm talking, you don't really know if I'm going to ask that question now, now and you're not really listening. So I need you to just pay attention. Focus. Once you've done that, internalize, get your questions together, and then we can have a discussion. Right. But and people just don't want to do that. They don't want to they don't want to go from A to, to D in proper order. They want to start at A, jump to F, come back to C, and then are confused about how you got there. And do you ever get the ones, oh my mistake, I apologize, da 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 when when they realize that they've made an incorrect assumption or they've taken one tweet out of context and stuff like that, and they haven't done their homework, and then they come back, oh, five, six, 10, 20 tweets later. Um, and they're like, oh, yeah, had you not done this whole thing and just watched, you could have had all these answers, these questions answered. Mm-hmm. And then that goes to, again, emotional labor, which goes to, again, why my followers understand that their job is to do that for me. Yeah, I, uh, I just don't know what to do with those people because if that's how they start the conversation, I don't feel like there's a lot of headway to be made because they've already started at that certain point. And it's going to take a lot of work that mm-hmm. I probably don't have the energy for to bring them around. Mm-hmm. And that's why I don't do it. It's not my I, job. Mm-mm. It's not my job. It's I, I'll... I'm, I'm, what I may do is retweet, comment it so people can see it because they didn't use the hashtag or something. So people, so I can highlight it and mm-hmm. then have the followers have, that's the conversation you need to have with them because obviously 
they don't, they didn't, they didn't understand a, a key concept. There's something here is missing and it's not my job to educate them. Right. And, you know, a lot of people, and, and this, the other part that will get me in and make me real angry is the, if you were, why can't you be nicer about it? Why can't you educate yes. me? And I'm yeah. like, cause I ain't got no kids. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a professor. And this is taking time away from the things I need to do. And I'm all of those things besides a parent. And I don't, I'm not getting paid to do this. You can hire me as a consultant and we can talk by the hour or whatever package you buy. But if doing this online, I've said what I need to say. Uh I've created enough content in these areas. So if you're really interested, there are several places where you can go and learn. Um, and so this is not my job. And, but that goes back to, the, oh, my God, you just brought up something. I'm love, that goes to that whole civility thing. Mm. And the thing that I've, I've recognized is that privilege, civility to privilege is optional. It's expected behavior for marginalized groups because it's been used. It's been a strategy for us managing our own behavior. It's, it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, absolutely brilliant because our parents have taught us to take turns, to do this, to do that, to that. And for them, it is optional. So they don't need to tell us. So this is why you need to be nicer. And I, I never understood. I could go to, when I was go, going to clubs back in my 20s, I go with my cousins. And they were, I, I've been this outspoken my whole life. So um, we go to clubs and some guy would come up and want to buy us drinks. I look at him, not interested, tell him so. They accept the drink and then say, Kim, but that's not nice. Four hours later, he's following you because he, you, you, but he's not bothering me because I told him up front that I was not interested. And I don't know where we equate, we got that nice does not equal on, I mean, honesty does not equal nice. I think the the most, the nicest thing I can do is be honest with you. But as as women, we are, and this is one of the things that gets us in several situations that we should not be in because we've been told to be nice, to do things that in our gut we know we shouldn't be doing, not just so we can appease other people and not hurt people's feelings. Fuck your feelings. Right. And you know, what's funny and not really funny is the people that ran on the platform of fuck your feelings literally with shirts and all are the ones that are out here crying about, don't be mean to me. People won't date me. I get run out of restaurants. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, but in terms of, of people getting in situations, it's not just women getting situations because of how we're socialized. It's that men have been also taught, you know, cis straight dudes have been taught that no doesn't really mean no. It's oh, maybe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you buy a chick a drink, you buy her dinner, then you can buy your way into her pants. Yep. And it's the, and the inability to say no. And all the women we see murdered. Yes. All the people that we see assaulted and on the news because they dared say no to somebody. Yes. And a lot of people, it's self-preservation. Yeah. It's not even that we're nice and taught to be nice. It's that this crazy dude could fucking follow me. Yes. Mm-hmm. And kill me. I remember being in Chicago um, when I lived there. I was driving some, I was coming, I was, I don't know where I was coming from. No, I do know where I was coming from. I was coming from Lakeshore Drive on the south side of town. And I happened to notice that there was a car that was following me. And you usually don't, you know, notice this. But I passed um, downtown, still on Lakeshore Drive. I Mm -hmm. passed North Avenue. And I'm like, wait a minute, this dude is is following me. And I get off at, um, because I'm like, okay, you want to play this game? We're going to play this fucking game. And what I did was get off this, I don't even know, I think it, I don't know what exit, I don't know if it's Addison or whatever, but it's where the police station is in Boys Town. Is that exit? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I got, yes. I got off there and drove his ass straight to the police station. Now, if you want to follow me here, then that's fine. And, and that's the thing that there's solidarity when it comes to women. What is not solidarity is I just, it broke my heart last week uh, hearing that there may be a serial killer in Florida of trans black trans women. Mm-hmm. That is a whole totally, wholly different subject. Right. And that's not where all women are the same. Right. And, you know, it's the, uh, you know, I'm sure people have heard of the Twinkie defense and all this other stuff where. Um, no, what's the Twinkie defense? 
Um, the guy who killed Harvey Milk. I think he tried oh, to claim yes. that the sugar and everything else hyped him up so much that he didn't know what he was doing. It's, I'd have to Google it, but I know it was involved, I think, in Harvey Milk's. No, yeah, it was. The, guy, the, the one in San Francisco. Yes. The mayor. Or was he the mayor? Yeah, I think he was the mayor yes, for a while. Yes, yeah. Uh, but, you know, people do that or it's like, oh, I got tricked and whatever. And it's like, ooh, it's that, I mean, that could be a whole five-hour conversation. Um, but you know, it, it comes back to the, why aren't you nice enough? Why aren't you nice to me? Why don't you educate me? And I've had people literally say that to me and I just go, because other people have worn me the fuck out. They have burned up the nice before you got here. And also Google is free. Yeah. And so for me, it's not, it's, it's because I don't want to, I mean, that's just, I don't owe you an explanation. I just choose not to, it's just not you're not that, imp- you're not, I'm not, I was about to say not that important to me. You're not important to me. So no, right. I'm not going to invest any of my effort into making you whatever, comfortable, whatever. And this is why I, and people, oh my God, privileged individuals get so, so conflated and upset when I, when someone quote, quotes me when I say, um, or I say, we have to, you have to get comfortable with getting uncomfortable. And if you're not willing to do that, I have absolutely no use for you. Why do I have to get uncomfortable? Well, it's not for you because obviously you're not the person who's going to have my back. I'm I'm not talking to you, obviously. Um, But the people I'm talking to, they see, they know that you're who I'm talking about. You're the people they got to get uncomfortable with in addressing. Yep. And, you know, that discomfort is very hard for people and they don't want you. And a lot of times they're forced into that discomfort and that's where we get the resistance. But change happens. I don't know why people think, learn, forget change. We're not even gonna talk about change. Learning, period. Things evolve, evolution. Let's talk about evolution. Evolution happens. It is not a pretty safe, a very comfortable thing. Think about when you went through puberty. Oh my God, was that most the most uncomfortable thing I've ever been through in my life? But it was necessary to go from um, adolescence to adulthood. Learning something new. People, we're talking about tech. When you learn a new game, when someone's learning to code, it is challenging. These things make you very uncomfortable because you now are in a space where you don't know what the hell you're doing. And that is, 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 is so uncomfortable, particularly for adult learners. But once you sit with that and accept it and move through it, at some point, you're gonna get past it. And that's my whole point. When we start getting comfortable with getting, un- and this is the part that people, the other part, the statement that people leave off when we're having this conversation, why well, I got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable? Because once you do that, we can move, we can have these conversations and move through them and deal with, and we're done. We're done. We can move through this stuff. But the fact that we keep, we're a dog, keep chasing our tail about the same shit. We never get anywhere. And we're not, we're not until people get to a point where, they can have these conversations without being forced into it. Yep, I agree. But until then, they're going to be forced into it because people like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to speak for anybody else. I'm ready to have a different experience. And, and you're standing in the way of me having a different experience. And if that means that you have to be made uncomfortable so that I can have the experience that I want to have, then that's what's going to have to happen. Okay. Yeah, um, I'm just trying to think out loud for a hot second because I'm trying to think of, in ways in which people can can be guided to doing this themselves, but I don't see a way there. Mm-hmm. Exactly. As long as long as they have these knee jerk reactions to people having public conversations, because a lot of times when we when we tweet and we talk and we have these conversations or we or we do panels, we always get that one person who's in their feelings mm-hmm. who responds in a way like they were personally attacked. Exactly. And no one mentioned them. No one even knew they were there. I, I feel a little pessimistic about the fact that um, people start to be dragged along to have these realizations that their discomfort is greater than their ability to have empathy and to learn. And Ooh. that they... That's deep. Say well, that again. Say that again. That their discomfort outweighs and is more important than their ability to have empathy and to learn. Mm. Because that's where it seems a lot of people are versus being able to listen mm-hmm. and understand. Because I'll get people, and you know those people, it looks like they're listening to you and they're nodding their head and everything else. 
And the second you're done talking, they turn around and go, but you see what had happened this one time a black girl was mean to me in high school and, and now black folks are racist. Mm-hmm. And you just sit there and you want to slap the taste out of their mouth. But mm-hmm. you know, if you do, somebody will be calling the cops on you mm-hmm. or they'll cry or both. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, it, it, everything, everything is over. Like, you know, for the people that are always talking about feelings and you're a snowflake and you're triggered. And by the way, I really fucking hate when people say, oh, are you triggered? Because, you know, being triggered is a legitimate response to trauma. Exactly. Um, there are people that, you know, can't even listen. All they see is when you say white people or YT as an abbreviation for white people or, you know, the people that are so mad about you called them white versus th- this is racist and fucked up. But you're, you're stuck on I said white people. Yeah, yeah. Where where's your priority right now? Mm-hmm. Um, last last story is um I a dude I went to college with, and you know he he was very much one of the stereotypical I'm a white dude but I'm gay so I'm oppressed kinds. Mm-hmm. And yes, I'm I'm categorizing for people that can be in their feelings and be mad. Tweet at me later. I don't care. Um, but I have a mug that says white tears. Mm-hmm. And I often carry it with me to, to certain conventions. And someone did art of me holding this mug. And he was deeply, deeply offended at me having this mug and talking about white tears. And he's like, how dare you call yourself a diversity advocate when you're being so divisive? And I was like, bro, bro, friend, it's, it's a piece of art. It's not that serious. But just the existence of this mug in my hand bothered him so much. And he felt like... Everything else I've done was negated by the fact that I had this little art of me holding a, a mug that says white tears. I'm like, would you like the 20 pictures of my white friends holding this mug and laughing? Will that make you feel better? And like he, ca- like he was one of those people that when you talk about race or sexism or whatever, he always had to throw in his two cents or go, well, I, you know, I'm oppressed. And it's like oppressed where no one's going to know you're gay. Like he was the most mask presenting hard hardcore bro type dude if i had not run into him at a bar i wouldn't have known he was gay mm-hmm. and he was hard on that i'm oppressed i'm so oppressed because i'm gay and it's like unless you say something nobody's gonna know yeah yeah and and going back to the terms where you know you have to have that conversation is when they start with actually that's when you know mm-hmm. you said something mm-hmm. and their first words are actually and you're like, oh, shit, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. But I, I liked how you phrased that because, again, if you're saying something and it does not pertain to me, why am I speaking? And also, why do you telling your authentic personal story, why should that be so threatening to me? That should not be threatening to you it should be wow even if you don't agree or don't like it just sit down and be quiet because that's your story no one no one is saying to you that your stories aren't valid for the first time everybody you're not the center of attention right and that's what it is it's for the first time you're not the center of attention and that is a problem for you because everything else about your oppression your whatever has been about you and you could you could when we brought up stuff you could be quiet we could you could shut us up you could cry you can do all these other things but the tide the the tide has changed Mm. we're no longer and see that's it we're no longer quiet as long as i have a a internet access and i have a a laptop or phone i'm gonna say what i need to say yep and, and that makes people uncomfortable because a lot of people also want to act like all of this suddenly sprung up. Like we oh, weren't yeah. out here yeah. marching and, and having papers and, and magazines and they act like the internet is this new frontier for people to do activism and, and speaking up when it's not. We've been here. This is just a new mode of operation. Well, I tell people all the time and, and then they ask me the question, why you say that until I explain it? I don't talk mm-hmm. politics. But without this president, I would not be able to have the conversations that I'm having, which leads him to say, why you say that? And my question, my statement is. Because of how he communicates. 
It's mm-hmm. opened the door for every, every person to have an opinion, which means that now people are looking for a counter to that. Mm-hmm. Because many of these individuals are surprised that they had these individuals in their families um, because that, that, no one ever talked about race in their households. No one. So they just thought the race was, was, was extinguished in the 60s, you know, that cured it all. So they've spent their lives not having these conversations. Um, and so now that you have the Ku Klux Klan and you have Nazis and you have all these individuals who are open and public because of, now this, again, I'm not political and I'm not saying that that's what Trump is, but what he's done is he set the precedent of anybody can say anything. What his followers don't understand, though, that he has a level of privilege they will never have. And that's why they're not seeing he's not seeing consequences to his behavior at the moment that they will normally see when somebody takes a picture of them or video of them, puts them on, on um, Twitter or whatever. And then they got to do the old I apologize, I apologize to her. No, no, no. You're going to lose your job. You're going to lose anything that meant something to you because this is your behavior. That's the part they're not used to. So without him being in office, I couldn't have this conversation because before this, people kept saying, but why are you talking about race? We've done, we're done with that. Let's talk about feminism. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about that. Nope. <laughs> don't want to talk about any of that. Nope, not going to talk about any of that because right now this is what, this is the issue, particularly in the United States that we need to address. Because again, this is my experience. And so I'm going to talk about my experience. And this has opened the floodgates and it happened. It's only been, has it been two years yet? It hasn't even been two years yet. Nope. It's been a long ass time. Yeah. Hasn't even been two years yet. And think about how the conversations have shifted because a person who could say grab him by the pussy is, is an elected official to the highest office in the United States. There's nothing you can tell me. Fuck being civil. What? I'm going to curse as much as I want to. I'm going to say whatever I want to, to whomever I want to, because it's my story. And you can't, and before I would just, mm, maybe that's not, I don't even think about that anymore. Don't even think about it. And I'm not out intentionally to harm people, but what I'm not going to do is shut up anymore. I've been told all my life that I was just too loud and too this and too that. And I don't, I'm, not, I'm not making myself small anymore to make you comfortable. Right. And, and we shouldn't have to, but here's the thing. And I mean, and it, it ties back to the whole thing of making a scene. The, pe- the very people that don't want to be civil to us at all, that want us to be like, fuck you, et cetera, are mad when we turn the tables and do the same thing. Because I am out of patience. Yep. I am out of kindness. Yes. I am tired of all these fluff pieces with these, oh, poor me. I voted for a racist Nazi sympathizer and I can't get a date. I lost my job because I was a racist asshole and people caught me on tape. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. Exactly. Because exactly. I'm sick of seeing all these like, you know, permit patty and all this shit. And these people crying about losing their job and I can't get a date because I voted for Trump. No, you voted for human garbage. So therefore, I don't want to fuck you. And mm-hmm. mm-hmm. of. And yep. if you want to sit here and whine because your life choices led you to a place where you are alone, 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 sucks to be you, friend. And that's, you just hit it and we're going to end on that. It's because <laughs> for the first time, there are consequences to their behaviors and it's never been so. It's not exactly. to where it needs to be, but it's, 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 it's coming. That, those, what they call them, chickens coming home to roost and boy, them some main ass chickens. <laughs> Yeah, them chickens are going to bite. <laughs> chickens pissed off. <laughs> well, thank you so much. First of all, do you have anything final to say? Um, you know what? Pick your battles. Know when you got the energy to deal with folks. Know when you don't and have no shame. And be like, not today, Satan. Not today. Because <laughs> sometimes I look at Twitter and I just close the tab. I'm like, you know what? This is some bullshit. I, I can't. I think I broke Kim because she had to be still for a hot second. I started coughing. <laughs> but on that note, thank you so much for being the guest on the podcast. And you keep going out there and causing the scene, lady. You too. Let me know when you're in Chicago so we can uh, cause some trouble together. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs>
<laughs> Thank you. Goodbye. You're welcome. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Hashtag Call the Scene podcast. And I'd like to thank all our current sponsors of the podcast and the Hashtag Call the Scene movement. Of course, we strongly encourage everyone to become an individual sponsor of the Hashtag Call the Scene community. Just visit the website at HashtagCallTheScene.com to sign up today. On behalf of everyone here at Hashtag Call the Scene, we'd like to thank you again for listening to today's show and have a wonderful day.